0: Welcome to Rick's Rumblings and episode one of Yankee Thunder, the legendary life of Davy Crockett. Well, I decided that the what we needed to do is kind of take a little break and and look at a sort of bigger than life fellow. You know, the legendary Davy Crockett, as a, a patriot and a statesman and and a hero and, and an American hero. So I thought, perhaps if, if I read his story, that to give you an idea of what it is that I'm trying to, you know, show in respect to the to the republic as compared to the democracy. However, there is one thing you have to keep in mind that this book was published in 1944. And consequently, we're well into the time when democracy is raising its, uh, I can't help but say ugly head. And so, there are going to be places in the book where, or the story, where he you know, sort of <laughs> aggrandizes democracy. And if you don't mind, I'm going to try to catch that and, and aggrandize the Republic. Because I believe that, that Davy Crockett is really the epitome of the true Republic statesman. And as a what he called to support that particular argument, I'd like to point to a manual, and this is, you know, a federal government manual, a training manual, number 2000-25, and, and the, you know, dated in November 30th of 1928 from the War Department in, in WA, D.C., and it was prepared by the direction of the chief of staff. And what does he say? He compares democracy and the republic. 1928. You see, we're still, what, five years before 1933, which is really the, if there's a time when the republic ended and the democracy began, it would be 1933. And so, seeing as Yankee Thunder was written in 1944, we're we're well into the ten years after, you might say. But anyway, what they said about democracy was, and I quote or read, it is a government of the masses, authority derived through mass meetings or any other form of direct expression. Results in mobocracy. Attitude towards property is communistic, negating property rights. Attitude toward law is that the will of the majority shall regulate, whether it be based on a Deliberation or governed by passion, prejudice, and impulse without restraint or regard to consequences results in demagogism, license, agitation, discontent, and anarchy. I mean, even I wouldn't have come up with that one. I mean, so, whereas the Republic. What do they say about the republic? The authority is derived through the election by the people of public officials best fitted to represent them. Does that sound like a qualified voter to you? Attitude toward property is respect for laws and individual rights and a sensible economic procedure. Attitude towards the, uh, what is it, Oh, wait a minute. Attitude towards property. Attitudes towards law is the administration of justice in accordance with fixed principles and established evidence with a strict regard to consequences. A greater number of citizens and extent of territory may be brought within its compass, avoids the dangerous extreme of either tyranny brought about or mobocracy results in statesmanship, liberty, reason, justice, contentment, and progress. It is the standard form of a government throughout the world. A republic is a form of government under a constitution which provides for the election of an executive and a legislative body who, working together in a representative capacity, have all the power of appointment, all power of legislation, and all power to raise revenue and appropriate expenditures, and are required to create a judiciary to pass upon the justice and legality of their governmental acts, and to recognize certain inherent individual rights. Take away any one or more of these four elements and you are drifting into autocracy. Add one or more to those four elements and you're drifting into democracy. Democracy is the direct rule of the people and has been repeatedly tried without success. Our constitutional fathers, familiar with the strength and weakness of both autocracy and democracy, with fixed principles definitely in mind, defined a representative Republican form of government, and they made a very marked distinction between a republic and a democracy and said repeatedly and emphatically that they had founded a republic. I don't believe you can get it much clearer than that. And yet, today, everybody's singing songs to the democracy. So that shows to go you where things have gotten. But in any case, we're going to embark upon something of a Fantasy of sorts, but somewhat based on the life of Davy Crockett. Of course, you'll see that as we get going. But in any event, let's get started here. The first chapter is titled Strong But Quirky. The morning Davy Crockett was born, Davy's paw came busting out of his cabin in Tennessee, alongside the Nolichucky River, and he fired three shots into the air, gave a whoop, and said, I've got me a son. His name is Davy Crockett, and he'll be the greatest hunter in all creation. When he said that, the sun rose up in the sky like a ball of fire. The wind howled ripploriously, thunder boomed, and All the critters and varmints of the forest lit out a moan. And then Davy's paw went back into the cabin. Little Davy was stretched out in a cradle made of a snapping turtle's shell. There was a pair of elk horns over the top, and over the elk horns was the skin of a wildcat. The cradle was run by water power, and it was rocking away, rickety-womp, rockety-womp. Now all the crockets were big, but Davy was big even for a crocket. He weighed 200 pounds, 14 ounces, and he was as frisky as a wildcat. His ma and his aunt, Kitna, stood over Davy, trying to get him to sleep. Sing something to quiet the boy, said Aunt Kitna to his uncle, Rorius, who was standing in the corner, combing his hair with a rake. Uncle Rorius opened his mouth and sang a bit of Over the River to Charlie. That is, it was meant for singing. It sounded worse than a nor'easter howling around a country barn at midnight. Hmm, said Uncle Rorius, he reached for a jug and took him a sip of kerosene oil to loosen up his pipes. Davy was sitting up in his cradle. He kept his peepers on his uncle, watching him pull at that jug. Oh, have a sip of the same, Davy, he said, as loud as you please. The kerosene jug slipped out of Uncle Roryus' hand, and Davy's ma and Aunt Kenton let out a shriek. Why, that little shaver can talk, said Davy's paw. Well, said Davy, talking slow and easy like, maybe I don't jabber good enough to make a speech in Congress, but I reckon I got the hang of her. It's nothing to Davy Crockett. That's mighty big talk, son, said Davy's paw. It ought to be, said Davy, it's coming from a big man. And with that, he leaped out of the cradle, kicked his heels together, and crowed like a rooster. He flapped his arms, and he bellowed, I'm Davy Crockett. Fresh from the backwoods, I'm half horse, half alligator, with a little touch of snapping turtle. I can wade the Mississippi, ride a streak of lightning, hug a bear too close for comfort. And whip my weight in wildcats, I can out-eat, out-sleep, out-fight, out-shoot, out-run, out-jump, and out-squat. Any man in these here United States. And I will. Aunt cut the air item as if he was a little bit of a mosquito making a buzz. That'll be enough of your sass, she said, kind of sharp-like. Now we get back into your cradle and behave. Yes, ma'am, said Davy. He was always polite to the ladies. No such thing, said Uncle Rorius. Settin' in the cradle won't grow him none. We gotta plant him in the earth and water him with wild buffalo's milk with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in. Can't do any harm, said Davy's ma. Might do good, said Davy's pa. "Suits so me, said Davy. Let's give her a try. So they took Davy out to Thundershower Hill and planted him in the earth. They watered him with wild buffalo's milk, with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in. The sun shone on him by day, the moon beamed down on him by night, the wind cooled him and the rain freshened him, and Davy Crockett began to grow proper. One morning, Davy's paw got up, as usual, and looked out the window, and instead of the sun shining, it was like a cloudy night with fog and no moon. Davy's paw had never seen it so dark in all his born days. Hurricane's coming up, he said. To Uncle Rorius, who was standing in the corner buttoning up his cast iron shirt. We'd better water Davy before she breaks, said Uncle Rorius. Davy's paw and Uncle Rorius each picked up a barrel of wild buffalo's milk with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in, and Davy's ma and Aunt Kitna. Followed along, carrying another barrel between them. When they got in outside, there wasn't a sign of a hurricane. There wasn't a hurricane coming up, going down, or standing still. There wasn't any hurricane at all. sky was blue, with little white clouds, and the sun was shining just as pretty. The only reason it was so dark was that Davy's shadow was falling over the cabin. Davy must have growed some, said Davy's ma, and they all hurried over to Thunder Shower Hill. And Davy was standing on tiptoe with his head poked through a cloud. He was taller than the tallest tree, and a slight friskier. Uncle Roryus let out a yip, and Davy leaned down, and he whipped wiped a bit of cloud out of his eye and said, I've been looking over the country, and she's right pretty, and I think I'm going to like her. You'd better, said Aunt Kitna, kind of snappy-like. She's the only one you got. Yes, ma'am, roared Davy, his voice so loud it started an avalanche at Wing Doodle Knob 30 miles away. The trees all round flattened out, and Aunt Kitna and Uncle Rorius and Davy's ma and pa fell over from the force of it. Davy's pa picked himself up and shook his head. He's too big, he said. Oh, I don't know, said Uncle Rorius. He'll settle some. Nah, said Davy's pa. He's too big for a hunter. It wouldn't be fair and square. Uh, What are we going to do, asked Uncle Rorius. Only one thing to do, said Davy's Pa. We got to uproot him, and let him grow down to man size. So Davy's Ma and Pa and his Aunt Kitna and his Uncle Rorius uprooted Davy. As soon as his feet were free, Davy leaped high into the air. He kicked his heels together, flapped his arms, and he bellowed, Look out, all you critters and varmints of the forest, for here comes Davy Crockett, fresh from the backwoods. I'm half horse, half alligator, and a little touch, a snapping turtle. I can run faster, jump higher, squat lower, dive deeper, stay underwater longer, and come up drier than any man in these here United States. Woo! Uncle Rory listened to Davy, and he looked at Davy, and then he said, He's strong, but he's quirky. Davy's paw looked at Davy, and he listened to Davy, and he said, Eh, he'll do. He'll do for a crockett, till a better one comes along. And then Davy's paw said that. Lightning flashed, and the thunder boomed, and the wind howled uproariously, and all the critters and varmints of the forest let out a moan. And that's the end of chapter one. So I believe we'll pick it up on the next episode. Welcome to Rick's Rumblings. And episode one of Yankee Thunder. The legendary life of Davy Crockett. Well, I decided that the what we needed to do is kind of take a little break and and look at a sort of bigger than life fellow, the legendary Davy Crockett as a patriot and a statesman and and a hero and, and an American hero. So I thought perhaps if, if I read his story that to give you an idea of what it is that I'm trying to you know show in respect to the to the republic as compared to the democracy. However, there is one thing you have to keep in mind that this book was published in 1944. And consequently, we're well into the time when democracy is raising its, uh, I can't help but say ugly head. And so there are going to be places in the book where, or the story, where he sort of (laughs) aggrandizes democracy. And if you don't mind, I'm going to try to catch that and, and aggrandize the republic because i believe that that david crockett is really the epitome of the true republic statesman and as a what he called a support that particular argument i'd like to point to a manual and this is you know a federal government manual a training manual Number 2000 25 and and the you know dated in November 30th of 1928 from the War Department in, in WA DC. And it was prepared by the direction of the chief of staff. And what does he say? He compares democracy and the republic. 1928. You see, we're still, what, five years before 1933, which is really the, if there's a time when the republic ended and the democracy began, it would be 1933. And so, seeing as Yankee Thunder was written in 1944, you know, we're, we're well into the ten years after, you might say. But anyway, what they said about democracy was, and I quote or read, it is a government of the masses, authority derived through mass meeting or any other form of direct expression, results in mobocracy. Attitude towards property is communistic, Negating property rights. Attitude toward law is that the will of the majority shall regulate, whether it be based on a deliberation or governed by passion, prejudice, and impulse, without restraint or regard to consequences. Results in demagogism, license, agitation, discontent, and anarchy. I mean, even I wouldn't have come up with that one. (laughs) So, whereas the Republic, what do they say about the Republic? The authority is derived through the election by the people of public officials best fitted to represent them. Does that sound like a qualified voter to you? Attitude toward property is respect for laws and individual rights and a sensible economic procedure. Attitude towards the, uh, what is it? Oh, wait a minute. Attitude towards property. Attitude towards law is the administration of justice in accordance with fixed principles and established evidence with a strict regard to consequences. A greater number of citizens and extent of territory may be brought within its compass, avoids the dangerous extreme of either tyranny brought about or mobocracy, results in statesmanship, liberty, reason, justice, contentment, and progress. It is the standard form of a government throughout the world, A republic is a form of government under a constitution which provides for the election of an executive and a legislative body who, working together in a representative capacity, have all the power of appointment, all power of legislation, and all power to raise revenue and appropriate expenditures and are required to create a judiciary to pass upon the justice and legality of their governmental acts and to recognize certain inherent individual rights. Take away any one or more of these four elements and you are drifting into autocracy. Add one or more to those four elements, and you're drifting into democracy. Democracy is the direct rule of the people and has been repeatedly tried without success. Our constitutional fathers, familiar with the strength and weakness of both autocracy and democracy, with fixed principles definitely in mind, defined a representative Republican form of government, and they made a very marked distinction between a republic and a democracy, and said repeatedly and emphatically that they had founded a republic. I don't believe you can get it much clearer than that. And yet, today, Everybody's singing songs to the democracy. So that shows to go you where things have gotten. But in any case, we're going to embark upon something of a fantasy of sorts, somewhat based on the life of Davy Crockett. Of course, you'll see that as we get going. But in any event, let's get started here. The first chapter is titled Strong But Quirky. The morning Davy Crockett was born, Davy's paw came busting out of his cabin in Tennessee alongside the Nolichucky Chucky River, and he fired three shots into the air, gave a whoop, and said, I've got me a son. His name is Davy Crockett and he'll be the greatest hunter in all creation. When he said that, the sun rose up in the sky like a ball of fire. The wind howled riprooriously. Thunder boomed, and all the critters and varmints of the forest lit out a moan. And then Davy's paw went back into the cabin. Little Davy was stretched out in a cradle made of a snapping turtle's shell. There was a pair of elk horns over the top, and over the elk horns was the skin of a wildcat. The cradle was run by water power, and it was rocking away, rickety-womp, rockety-womp. Now all the crockets were big, but Davy was big even for a crocket. He weighed 200 pounds, 14 ounces, and he was as frisky as a wildcat. His ma and his aunt, Kitna, stood over Davy, trying to get him to sleep. Sing something to quiet the boy, said Aunt Kitna to his uncle, Rorius, who was standing in the corner, combing his hair with a rake. Uncle Rorius opened his mouth and sang a bit of Over the River to Charlie. That is, it was meant for singing. It sounded worse than a nor'easter howling around a country barn at midnight. Hmm, said Uncle Rorius. He reached for a jug and took him a sip of kerosene oil to loosen up his pipes. Davy was sitting up in his cradle. He kept his peepers on his uncle, watching him pull at that jug. Oh, have a sip of the same, Davy, said, as loud as you please. A kerosene jug slipped out of Uncle Rorius' hand, and Davy's ma and Aunt Kenton let out a shriek. Why, that little shaver can talk, said Davy's pa. Well, said Davy, talking slow and easy like, maybe I don't jabber good enough to make a speech in Congress, but I reckon I got the hang of her. It's nothing to Davy Crockett. That's mighty big talk, son, said Davy's paw. It ought to be, said Davy. It's coming from big man. And with that, he leaped out of the cradle, kicked his heels together, and crowed like a rooster. He flapped his arms, and he bellowed, I'm Davy Crockett. Fresh from the backwoods, I'm half horse, half alligator, with a little touch of snapping turtle. I can wade the Mississippi, ride a streak of lightning, hug a bear too close for comfort. And whip my weight in wildcats, I can out-eat, out-sleep, out-fight, out-shoot, out-run, out-jump, and out-squat. Any man in these here United States. And I will. Aunt cut the uh, yeah, air item as if he was a little bit of a mosquito making a buzz. That'll be enough of your sass, she said, kind of sharp-like. Now we get back into your cradle and behave. Yes, ma'am, said Davy. He was always polite to the ladies. No such thing, said Uncle Rorius. Settin' in the cradle won't grow him none. We gotta plant him in the earth and water him with wild buffalo's milk with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in. "'Can't do any harm,' said Davy's ma. "'Might do good,' said Davy's pa. "'Suit's me,' said Davy. "'Let's give her a try.' So they took Davy out to Thundershower Hill and planted him in the earth. They watered him with wild buffalo's milk, with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in, The sun shone on him by day, the moon beamed down on him by night, the wind cooled him and the rain freshened him, and Davy Crockett began to grow proper. One morning, Davy's paw got up, as usual, and looked out the window, and instead of the sun shining, it was like a cloudy night with fog and no moon. Davy's Pa had never seen it so dark in all his born days. Hurricane's coming up, he said. to Uncle Rorius, who was standing in the corner buttoning up his cast-iron shirt. We'd better water Davy before she breaks, said Uncle Rorius. Davy's Pa and Uncle Rorius each picked up a barrel of wild buffalo's milk with boiled corn cobs and tobacco leaves mixed in, and Davy's Ma and Aunt Kitna Followed along, carrying another barrel between them. When they got in s- outside, there wasn't a sign of a hurricane. There wasn't a hurricane coming up, going down, or standing still. There wasn't any hurricane at all. Sky was blue with a little white clouds, and the sun was shining just as pretty. Only reason it was so dark was that Davy's shadow was falling over the cabin. Davy must have growed some, said Davy's ma, and they all hurried over to Shower Hill. And Davy was standing on tiptoe with his head poked through a cloud. He was taller than the tallest tree, and a slight friskier. Uncle Roryus let out a yip, and Davy leaned down, and he whipped wiped a bit of cloud out of his eye and said, I've been looking over the country, and she's right pretty, and I think I'm going to like her. You'd better, said Aunt Kitna, kind of snappy-like. She's the only one you got. Yes, ma'am, roared Davy, his voice so loud it started an avalanche at Wing Doodle Knob 30 miles away. The trees all round flattened out, and Aunt Kitna and Uncle Rorius and Davy's ma and pa fell over from the force of it. Davy's pa picked himself up and shook his head. He's too big, he said. Oh, I don't know, said Uncle Rorius. He'll settle some. No, said Davy's pa. He's too big for a hunter. It wouldn't be fair and square. Uh, what are we going to do, asked Uncle Rorius. Only one thing to do, said Davy's Pa. We got to uproot him and let him grow down to man size. So Davy's Ma and Pa and his Aunt Kitna and his Uncle Rorius uprooted Davy. As soon as his feet were free, Davy leaped high into the air. He kicked his heels together, flapped his arms, and he bellowed, Look out, all you critters and varmints of the forest! For here comes Davy Crockett, fresh from the backwoods. I'm half horse, half alligator, and a little touch a snapping turtle. I can run faster, jump higher, squat lower, dive deeper, stay under water longer, and come up drier than any man in these here United States. Woo! Uncle Royce listened to Davy, and he looked at Davy, and then he said. He's strong, but he's quirky. Davy's paw looked at Davy, and he listened to Davy, and he said, Eh, he'll do. He'll do for a crockett, till a better one comes along. And then Davy's paw said that. Lightning flashed, and the thunder boomed, and the wind howled uproariously, and all the critters and varmints of the forest let out a moan. And that's the end of chapter one. So I believe we'll pick it up on the next episode.